welcome to Unschooling Conversations. Today I'm joined by Kelly from The Willows and in this episode we are going to talk about play. Um, I'm really excited actually because as many of you know uh, my blog page and my Facebook page are called Live, Play, Learn and I am absolutely passionate about the role of play in our children's um, development so this is going to be a great episode I can feel it. Um, I'm Heidi Steele a former teacher and unschooling parent to four school age children who are happy living and learning as they go um, and I have been unschooling for almost 10 years and I blog regularly, I organise coaching courses and mentoring services um, on unschooling which you can find out more about at liveplaylearn.org and you can find me on Facebook at Live, Play, Learn, where I encourage and support unschooling families. Um, so today I'm joined by Kelly. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Hi, thanks for having me. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Kelly. I am mother of three home-educated children. I also own and run an outdoor self-directed learning centre for home educated children aged five and up so we are very play-based um children just kind of follow their own intrinsic motivations and play however they wish yeah <laughs> so um so your um tagline is play wild love learning be free is that right yes that's yes. right that's and right. um so we sort of found each other on Facebook and I went and had a little look at your Facebook page for the Willows and I read that and I you know looked through some of the content on your page and I knew I had found a kindred spirit we are uh here to talk about play but not just play um in the early years not just play you know for really young children we are here to talk about how children um, play and learn beyond the age of five, which is not commonplace um, in our society. Um, so I'm really excited to talk about these things with you. I thought it might be helpful for us to start with how we define play. So how would you, when you talk about play, what are you talking about what are you referring to how do you define it well play is a really broad you know it's a broad subject play can be anything from baking a cake to climbing trees or building a lego model or playing dungeons and dragons on your on your um xbox or whatever it is you play on so when i talk about play i love to talk about the deep, intrinsically motivated, all-consuming, forgetting about time type of play when you are just completely immersed in the activity that you've chosen to do. So play for me is something that is freely chosen, not that's forced upon you or something that you are coerced into by another or an adult. Um, so... I would define it as just intrinsically motivated and something that you actually want to be doing 
rather than something what what someone is telling you to do yeah I think that's really important and and that's really the point that I wanted to bring to the forefront right at the start of this conversation that when you and me are talking about play we're not referring to um play-based learning which is quite a common phrase used amongst um the educational establishment um it's used to describe what children are allowed to do in the early years at school um i know that because i used to to be that person <laughs> um it's which play-based learning is quite frequently organized by the adult directed by the adult structured by the adult and whilst children um are playing in that they're not doing worksheets or workbooks or maybe even a strict curriculum that play is heavily governed by the adults that they are with whereas what we're talking about is free play that children have chosen for themselves and linked to that is also the notion that if they don't want to play or if they finish playing or they they want to stop playing they can also choose at any point to stop playing and to move on to something else but I love this idea of play being really broad it's not just um sort of the imaginary play maybe that that we quite often associate with children playing but that actually the skills that they have in terms of their intrinsic motivation in in terms of their natural curiosity that drives them um, those things drive them in all of their activities and they and they have these universal sort of play type skills that they bring to like you said baking a cake or you building with lego or imaginary play or really whatever activity they are doing um, they bring these play-based skills along to that activity and that really defines pretty much everything a child does as play or playful. Um, so why do you think play is so important um, even for children who are older than five you know as, as we move up through into into a school age yeah. setting why is play so important well it's funny isn't it that when we think about play we think about toddlers or younger children either playing with their cars or dressing up or um i don't know building towers or whatever it is but we don't really tend to think of older children playing because that's kind of the society that we now live in is that oh no you get to age five and you need to stop play and we're now gonna kind of bring in this academic learning and you're gonna sit down and listen and and you know we know what's best for you now you need to you know we don't trust you anymore <laughs> to, to just learn through play and what you're naturally um guided towards learning play is like the foundation of everything so Play is important for so many different reasons. I mean, it's good for um, cognitive development. It's good for your gross and fine motor skills. It's good for socializing. It's good for um, everything. Like basically everything you can think of, we, we can learn it naturally through play. 
And when we learn something through play, we tend to remember it better than we would if we were forced to learn it, say, for a test. Um, well, we can just remember the information because we have to, and then we write it down on a test and then we can forget it. Um, so when we learn something through play, we are much more likely to remember it because we want to be learning about it because, because we've chosen to seek out that type of play. Does that make sense? And so play is, when, you, when we compare ourselves to other mammals, they, that's, how, that's how other mammals learn is through play. From, from the moment they're born, they're learning through play. We learn how to walk, we learn how to eat, we learn how to talk through play. Everything is through play. And so when we leave our children to just follow their own passions and their own interests, it's, it's like a magical thing happens that we've, we've kind of forgotten about in this society. And it's just, um, it's just actually amazing. When you just step back and watch a child play, it's really incredible. It really, really is. I've been blessed to, to see we have we now have 38 children down at the willows and i love to just sit back and watch them play and the amount that they actually learn off of each other so our ages go from five and up our eldest is 12 at the moment um they learn so much off of each other that it's just it's beautiful to watch because they're asking each other questions and it's not just the younger children asking the older children it's the older children who learn off the younger children and um, so, yeah, so play is vital, in my opinion. And actually, science has proven that play is absolutely crucial for a child's development. It's really interesting you should say all of those things, actually, because I don't know if you're aware, there was an article in The Guardian this morning, and it is, um, I will put it in the show notes, it is discussing a group of experts in child development who are calling on the government to support a summer of play um, to help pupils in England recover from the stress of lockdown and a year of COVID upheaval. So I've just quoted that directly from the article, I've brought it up here. Um, there's a group um, that formed during the year of 2020, so the year of COVID-19, called Play First UK. And they are calling for this summer of um, play during 2021 to um, counteract the impeding notion that the government are calling for a summer of catch-up in academics um, and deriving from the notion of lost learning. Um, but Play First UK have submitted this proposal that there should be a play a, a summer of play and they say during in the article so i can quote from the article again um that social connection and play offer myriad learning opportunities and are positively associated with children's academic attainment and literacy and they then go on to address the issue that we should be prioritizing social interaction play physical activity and the and good mental health needs should come first, which I think 
have rather been covered in everything you just said about how vitally important play is for all children and we um we don't what well, i think what we really miss when we look only at structured play or academics is that when children are playing and they're just absorbed in what they're doing they the learning that happens is is sort of unintentional learning they don't set out to learn you know their colors for example they don't set out to learn how bricks um manage to stay who can build the tallest tower by putting bricks in certain formats um, these things they learn unintentionally as they go about their natural business of playing and I think like you I'm equally um, excited and fascinated fascinated by um, this magical process probably because we as a society are so far removed from it um, that we don't witness it on a day-to-day -day basis unless like you and me we are involved in the work of children um, growing up and being free to, to play as they wish um, and but the nearest we get to seeing it is in that preschool age in that sort of naught to five age range and you know if people could look back and reflect on that age group and their children in that period of life and how much they learnt and what they were actually learning whilst they were playing there isn't really a reason why that should stop at the age of five other than it gets pushed out of them Okay, so they, when they go into school, they begin to learn that their play isn't important because they are redirected constantly by adults who are saying, no, you need to be doing this. No, you need to be doing it in this way. Uh, no, stop asking these questions. Stop, um, you know, using the equipment in that fashion. Um, or even I've seen in some settings, like you can't mix the toys, you can't mix the bricks Oh, yeah. with the dolls no you can't do that that's you know there's quite a lot of restrictions there's quite a lot of no and there's quite a lot of redirecting into what adults want you to be doing and slowly it erodes away a child's confidence and trust in themselves like back to that trust thing you were talking about um erodes their confidence and trust in themselves because they're being constantly told that play isn't important and when children then do play, so for example, maybe maybe there is a little bit of playtime at school that they can go and you know choose what they do, um, or you know Friday afternoon. So I'm I'm really talking back into my own experiences in school now. So Friday afternoon, sort of golden time they used to call it, where children can do what they want. Yeah. Um, the play that happens there. Um, becomes I think altered because of a child's the messages the child has been given during the rest of the week um, whereas 
when our children play, they have this trust in themselves and a freedom because we aren't restricting them arbitrarily um, to explore the world the way that they want to. Um, which I would like to say leads me on to my next question, but I don't think it does. I know what I could ask you next that would lead on from that. How do you know that they are learning and developing and growing when they are playing and you are not governing the outcome and therefore monitoring the outcome? Because I, I would say the way that I know that my own children are learning is because they ask questions constantly. They are always asking questions. Sometimes at like bedtime or, <laughs> or you know, if I'm in the bath or whatever, but children are natural born learners and they, they will constantly ask questions and they wanna figure out, mommy, how does this work? Or where does this come from? Or, you know, there's, there's a whole range of questions that they ask as, as any parent knows, because their children constantly ask questions. And it's not until we get to that kind of the academic years in school when it's like, oh no, you can't, don't ask that question. Don't, I think that's why personally, I didn't get on very well in school because I asked too many questions. <laughs> and I was always like, Kelly, look, stop asking questions and just, just do your work. And um, I'm still like it now though. Luckily that the school system didn't kind of, force that out of me I still like to question everything in my day-to-day -day life anyway but um but yeah so I also wouldn't I don't monitor my children's learning I trust that they are learning because I can see it for myself so my kids can read and write and although my seven-year-old is, is kind of only just kind of learning how to read freely as they would say in school um and so you can see it. You can see that they're learning. They're asking questions. They are recreating things that they've learned. My three-year-old built a tower of the Leaning Tower of Pisa the other day. And he's like, mommy, look, it's the falling tower of something. Well, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he called it the falling tower because he'd seen, he'd seen an episode on Go Jetters and he recreated it in his play. So I know that he's taking it in because you know, he's, he's, he's right there in front of me. <laughs> he's recreating it. And so we know that our children are learning. It's impossible not to learn. How can you not learn in this day and age unless you're literally shut in a cupboard all day, every day? There's information everywhere, absolutely everywhere. If you want to play Minecraft, then I'm sorry, but you're going to need to learn how to write and, and you know, search for whatever it is you need to search for on there. Or if you want to write a letter to grandma, then let's learn how to sit and write a letter. It's, it's just through our day-to-day -day experiences. Um, and they, they just naturally learn. If we just step out of the way, they will learn. And let's, let, it's, it's our job to facilitate our child's learning, not to enforce anything upon them. So if they're asking questions, in my opinion, it's our job to facilitate whatever that may be. So for example, my daughter is, she loves to edit, um, edit YouTube videos and short films and things like that. And so she's asked 
for um, a, a specific camera, which we got for her for Christmas, um, some specific editing software. We've sought out some courses for her to go on. Um, and this isn't from us forcing it upon her. It's because that's what she's passionate about and what she wants to do. That's what she wants to learn about. And so who are we to say, no, you can't learn about that. You need to learn some algebra because that's what kids your age are learning right now. It just, it doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> it just doesn't. And, um, and yeah, so that's how I think we know that our children are learning is because we can see it. We can, it, and, and they are constantly proving to us that, that they are learning. My seven-year-old, for instance, the other day just came into me. He's really passionate about football. He came into me with um, a pen and some paper. He was like, mommy, I need to write this story down. I need to write this story down about football. I was like, oh, wow, okay, it's half past nine, you should be in bed, but I don't care, let's sit down and write this story because right now you're in that moment and that's um, what your brain is telling you to do. Like, you're going to remember this. And so, yeah, so um, we just see it. We just, if we are in tune with our children and we have that really, really strong bond and relationship and... We're living alongside each other and growing together rather than being the dictator, then we can see it. And actually we learn together as well. Like my daughter teaches me things about editing. Um, she helps me edit my own podcasts. Um, we learn from each other. And just because you're the parent and they're the child, it does not mean that you know anything better than they do. Because actually most parents will tell you that their children know far more about screens than they do or about, you know, anything to do with computers. In most cases, children actually know more because they play on screens, right? And um, so, yeah, yeah, I think that answered your question. <laughs> so one of the things I think is really um, hard for us is to move away from the idea that my children should be doing X by a certain age and should be doing Y by a certain age. And that um, just because they're not reading by the time they're five, um, which is the sort of school age for um, reading, that just because they're not reading by the age of five doesn't mean they're not learning. It just means they're learning something else. And for us to um, let go of maybe schooled expectations of what they should be doing and a little bit like you said in terms of you know my my son might want to write a Dungeons and Dragons campaign which is something that's happened recently in, the, in the last year um, but that's not what his peers are doing at school and sort of let go of this idea that um, they have to be following a um, you know a set criteria of what they should be doing and what they should be learning at what age and in what year group they should be covering certain topics that the learning they're doing and the skills they're developing um, are being done through a vast array of different passions that they have and interests that they have and what my children are interested in and learning about and learning through are, will be different to what your children are interested in um, but this idea of us paying attention to our children really observing what is going on 
um, being in relationship with them in that we are involved in each other's lives. You know, those are the things that those are the ways that we know our children are learning because we are living in partnership with our children. We're living together as a family. We're not isolated um, individuals that we live our daily day to day lives together um and that those day-to-day lives are driven by what we're interested in what we want to do today um you know what comes along um sort of naturally as part of our lives and it's not driven by sort of these external agencies of school curriculum homework um you know it's an it's an intrinsic motivation that um leads our children forward in their development and in their growth i thought maybe we could return back a little bit to this idea of what our role as adults is because you use the word facilitating um which we use a lot in unschooling and sort of self-directed education because adults do not view themselves as the teachers we do not view ourselves as the ones who are imparting knowledge to our children uh, we quite often use this word to facilitate so my question is what um, is our involvement in our children's play and how involved should we be as the adults our involvement as adults is to is to equip our children with the resources that they need around that specific passion or interest so i think as adults our involvement should be to leave them to play when they are this is actually really important for me is that when my children are playing, that is when they are making those vital brain connections. That's when, the, that, that's the magic. That's when the magic is happening right there is when they forget they need to go to the toilet or they forget what the time is. And it's that deep immersive play. That is when we are not involved. That's when we leave them. That's, that's the best time. That's, kind of, that's what we're aiming for, right? Is <laughs> that deep immersive play. Um, but we need to be there alongside them to facilitate them if they need it and to maybe even um, strew. Uh, so strewing is when you kind of leave out things of interest to your child, whether it will be, um, I'm using my son still as an example with the football. It could be a football magazine or it could be football cards. Um, it could be anything to do with that particular passion. Just leave it lying around. Um, you don't even have to say to your child, oh, look what I've got for you today. Look at this book. It's amazing. Just leave it. Just leave it in a place where you know they're going to find it. And then just see if they start reading it or if they start showing an interest. Um, nine times out of ten, they'll come to you and say, oh, mommy, look at this. Like, look what I've had. Or, you know, um, and then you'll be there to facilitate them. So just coming back to the whole being in tune with your child and um just having that healthy relationship and really knowing what their passions and interests are. And we can just facilitate them 
um, as best we can. And Google, Google is a great place for that. <laughs> and Pinterest as well. Um, so yeah, so setting up activities and things like that for them to find is a great way for us to be involved in a child's play and to trigger that imagination and the deep immersive play that we love so much. Fabulous. I, I just before you mentioned in tune, being in tune with our children, I wrote down in tune and then you said it, which is brilliant. Because um, <laughs> we're in tune. Yeah, look at that guy. But this um, idea about relationships, the relationship we have with our children is so vital. And I didn't really plan for this to come up in our in our conversation, but we, you just can't avoid it, actually. Um, if we are going to be involved in our children's lives, if we're going to be there to support them and facilitate their learning, um, we our relationship is vital. They need to be able to um, come to us and know that they're going to get a positive response from us. Okay, they need to know that when they come and ask questions, that we are going to help them find the answers. If we actually constantly are pushing them away and saying, "No, I don't have time for that. No, I'm doing something else." Um, if for whatever reason, if that is part of our natural habit in our relationship with them, then they are going to stop coming to us and asking those questions. And then we um, become, well, unhelpful. That's not facilitating them at all. So our relationship um, is key and being in tune with them comes through relationship with them as well. So I know you and me um, both have multiple children. Um, as I mentioned, I have four children. Um, one of my children can, like, if I, the idea of um, strewing something for him is a massive no. He, it's like, he can, it's like he smells a rat, like somebody else wants me to pick that up and do it, then I refuse. Um, it's a massive no, you know, and I know that now, so we don't do it, you know, because it causes friction, it's completely unhelpful and it doesn't, it doesn't lead, um, it doesn't, it doesn't enhance his learning at all. So, so with him, we don't do it. Whereas my daughter, who is absolutely passionate about art, um, if I see something a new piece of art equipment or a new technique um, or I've got some friends who are artists and they might like set up a little um, challenge or something um, a little artic artist's challenge and I bring those things to her and say oh look you know someone's doing this and she she's immediately she's there she's on it she's like yes I want to do that yes I'm interested in watching um, you know, what lino printing looks like. She just, her answer is always yes. She loves um, that process of other people, you know, bringing to her things that she, th that we think she will be interested in. And she's very, very responsive to that. And she springboards off of it in, you know, in her own life and then we'll go and well do whatever she does with it she might try and replicate it or it might spark a new idea for her um she's very responsive to that but it comes down to relationship and it comes down to being in tune with each of our children and you also mentioned um you know when our children are interested in things 
um, offering them connected ideas. So you use the example of your son being interested in football. And I think sometimes we can, certainly in the beginning of our unschooling journeys, sometimes we can become overly invested in our own ideas about where this is going and what our children are going to do with it. Um, and we need to take that step back and use it as offerings. We are offering our children things. Um, and if they say, yes, that's great, go with it. Um, and if they say no, then equally leave it and, and move on. There's not an intentional goal at the end. It's not like I'm saying, right, by baking this cake, you're going to learn your fractions because we're going to cut yes. the cake. That, that isn't intentional. It comes naturally, right? Thank so you. there isn't an intentional goal at the end. It's just what you learn along the way is amazing. And, you know, you're obviously ready to learn that because you're learning it naturally rather than me saying to you, right, this is the end goal. By the end of this little topic, whatever, or by the end of this activity, yeah. you will know all of your words, all of your sight words. Like, it's not like that, is it? It's no. just just comes naturally no it's part of the process of living that's what I wanted to say it's so ingrained in our just our natural organic day-to-day -day lives um we don't set out that we are going to learn about different countries because we're looking at where our favorite football teams from or our favorite players um you know where they where they live you yeah. know we don't set out so oh you know actually what we're going to do today is learn about different countries um, we just, you know, look at that football magazine and, and look at the footballers in it and say, oh, look, this person is from this country or this person lives in this town. And it's just part of us sharing that magazine together. It's not us setting out um, a curriculum. Maybe that's what I mean. Like we're not setting out goals and yeah. targets and curriculum. It just happens like breathing. Um, it is a really really beautiful thing yeah it just sparks some interest i wondered if we could talk about children that um have been in school so children that have like we were discussing a little bit earlier children who have been told that their play is not important um, even if it's not directly, the implication of the process of schooling has taught them their play is not important, that the questions they have are not as important as the questions adults want them to answer. Um, I wondered if we could talk about if someone has a child who has been in school and they are now considering home educating, considering moving into um, unschooling, how do we transition and foster our children's natural play and, in, and nurture and encourage it, specifically when that child has been told no? So I think that depends on how long the child's been in the schooling system for. Um, as homeschoolers, we would always say to go through a de-schooling process, which I think you've spoken about before, um, or it's coming up, one of the two. <laughs> but de-schooling is vital. It is really so important. 
So you take one month for every year the child has been in school. It could take longer, it could take less time. Um, and then you do no academic learning whatsoever for that period of time. And you are literally just living your lives as if school doesn't exist and following your own passions and interests. That could be just watching TV all day for a week. It could be playing with Lego all day, every day, which everything that you do is learning anyway. You know, like whatever you do, whatever activity that child is doing, they're learning. And so when a child comes out of the schooling system, I've seen this firsthand down at the Willows where we have children taken out of school very very structured they have everything is set out for them the whole day actually even when when a lot of children are not in school from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep it's all structured because then they have their swimming lessons or they have their extra maths tuition or you know whatever that may be um everything is so structured and down at the willows that is it, there is no i mean we have lunch time and tidy up time and um circle time in the morning and before we leave but apart from those there's no structure to our days at all and so what we've seen is that for children who come out of the schooling system and then they're plonked into this environment where there's no structure and you're allowed to do whatever you like it can be hard it can be tricky for them because they don't know what to do for, with themselves they don't know how to go and play how to use their imagination how to be creative um, or how to um, interact with children of different ages. So it can be a tricky time. And a lot of parents will see their children bored, complaining that they're bored, um, and try and fill their time with something. And it's really important that we don't fill their time with anything, that we don't try and coerce them into anything. Because being bored is really really important for imagination and finding our own passions and interests and what we really want to do with ourselves rather than what somebody else has been telling us to do for all of this time um and just listen to your body like if you're hungry then you can go and eat you don't have to wait until lunchtime you don't need to wait until your teacher says oh lunchtime you can go play you can go eat now and then you can have a little play after um if you're lucky um and so yeah so being it, it's important that we give our children that time to um discover who they are and just really follow their own passions and interests i think that's what it keeps coming down to is just yeah just finding out who who you really are um and so yeah so it can it can be quite tricky to begin with and some children actually do really like that structure. Not all children like to have such an unstructured environment, you know? And that maybe doesn't come from the schooling system. It may just be that that is the way that that particular person is, um, which is fine. So if after this amount of time, they say, you know, I wanna be, I want to do some art at this time. I wanna do history at this time then it's our job to facilitate that. It's not only our job to facilitate the independent, all immersive play. If your child is asking for structure and that's what they need, 
and want, then let's give it to them because that's that's what they are asking for. So I think that um, quite commonly comes as children get older. So even children who are um, unschooled, you know, forever um, or self-directed um, long term, they, um, you know, they do develop and they do grow and they do change. And with that, this idea, their play changes as well. Um, and so the, the skills that we talked about earlier, not specifically, we just referred to these play skills, transfer. So they take these skills that they, they use in their play, but they transfer into a more sophisticated um, way of learning. And part of that often involves them structuring their own time and being intentional about what they're learning rather than the I used unintentional learning earlier to des describe what happens when children are playing but actually as our children grow um, and mature and develop um, those things do happen and I think quite often people are worried that those things won't ever happen that our children will just remain immature and and play all the time but what happens um, is it just changes and it grows. And so that idea that some children do want structure, particularly some people, some children um, like the security of structure, the rhythm of knowing what happens next and when this is going to happen um, and like the familiarity um, that brings them a sense of security. Um, but frequently as children get older, the idea that they structure their own time, they're intentional about how they're going to spend their day, what they are trying to um, achieve or what they're setting out to do. Um, and it's not that we're just, we're anti-structure. <laughs> um, it's that that structure isn't imposed on them, that it is driven by their own need um, or their own goals um, so again you know that play skill is about in, uh, intrinsic it's all intrinsic it's what does this child need what do they want how can we support them and if structure is what they need and what they're asking for then that's how we that's how we respond that's what that's what we give them that's how we facilitate um, their learning um, so what do we do oh this does lead on quite nicely what do we do if um, or when even I should say because if we are um, unschooling what do we do when our children choose to play all day which I really think comes down to do we interfere when they don't when they don't choose to do writing or reading or something that looks academic? We let them play <laughs> because they are doing something. It's not as if they're just sitting and staring at the wall <laughs> you know they're, they're doing something 
which is important for them and their own brain development and their own needs. And so when our children play all day, like it's so important for our children. Like they're working through their own emotions. They're working through certain um, instances which has happened or, you know, sometimes when my daughter was smaller, we, we would go to a hospital appointment, for example, and we would come home and then she would play hospital doctors and nurses with her dollies or because she's working through them scenarios. And so it might not for us from the outside looking in, if our child is just playing all day, just playing all day, it might not look like they're doing much. But they, even for them, it might not, it, like it's play for them. It, that's exciting. That's what they want to be doing. But it is, it's, it's all really, really important for their, their healthy development in so many different aspects. But it can get tricky when our child is so immersed in their play and we need to go off and, and run errands or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's important that we go and do whatever it is we need to do. How do we actually interrupt that play and stop that flow when you're actually, when you know, you're like, oh, I really don't want to interrupt them because I know that they are in the zone. You know, their brain is making all these vital connections right now and they're so immersed and I really don't want to interrupt them. But life happens and sometimes you have to interrupt them and that's just the way it is. Um, we can obviously leave their place set up and they can come back to it. Um, but that's just life, right? Sometimes, sometimes we have to be interrupted and, you know, we don't always get to do exactly what we want to do all of the time. And it's just a part of life. And it's important for them to learn that as well. But for as much as we possibly can, it's important that we don't interrupt them. If we don't need, if we haven't got a reason to interrupt them, then don't interrupt them. You know, um, it's as simple as that, really. So, if our children would like to play all day, then that's fantastic. <laughs> it's really, really great. It's like, this is amazing. Your child is completely absorbed in what they're doing. Uh, they're controlling, the, you know, they're taking charge of their own learning. Um, they're completely in the flow and all the things that are happening in their brain as they're doing that. Like you mentioned, um, you know, we talk about mental health and we talk about prioritising children's mental health. And one of the things you mentioned is how they... Um, play out really big ideas um, big events that are going on in the world it's how they make sense of the world you know they get so I completely relate to this because my six-year-old is all about Barbies and she's been all about Barbies for well over a year now and every not every time she plays but a lot of her play when she's playing with Barbies is about playing through really big ideas you know so in the last year playing through us not being able to see you know grandma and pops um the barbies had been on some immense travel expeditions and i'm sure that's linked to the fact that we can't be going on any travel <laughs> expeditions at all um you know we've had we've had and we've got a new puppy in the house and so we got new puppies for barbies as well and she plays through all the sort of the training of puppy and she and she and the and the um complete chaos of puppy you know she plays through these ideas all the time i can see it and it's um it's so important for them to be able to do that because it's part of them making sense of a world that is huge 
and from a child's point of view um, can be quite unknown um, particularly at the moment sort of unstable and it and it all goes towards their mental health you know it all goes towards them just working through these really big ideas and making sense of them or even not making sense of them um, one of the other things they can do in play is they, they can make lots and lots of mistakes in play yeah. and it's all okay you know they can yeah. they can a little bit like computer games right in computer games you can make mistakes and you respawn it's all right um, so you can try new things out and you can you can say well what happens if I do this or what happens if I change that um, and it's sort of it's this safe environment for them to try out those ideas um, without the consequences being quite so permanent or detrimental. Um, so, so play is amazing and vital and important and key to our children's um, happiness, well-being, uh, success. Um, I was going to ask something else. Oh, I was going to say that you know, allowing our children to play all day and giving them this yes environment. So like you were saying, this environment where they can play, an environment where we don't interrupt unless it's absolutely vital or necessary, um, an environment where they can um, access the resources they need. A lot of our involvement in our children's play is about nurturing our relationship, building our relationship and creating this um, environment and then sometimes sometimes our children will say to us mummy can you play with me and then and then that is like this golden moment for you to enter your child's world that they have created and you um join them in that world and you can play together largely i would recommend being led by your child what does your child want you to do in that place? Not you manipulating their play to make an educational moment, um, but just sitting on the floor. I honestly, this week, have probably put in excess of 14 hours into Barbie play um, this week with my six-year-old. Um, for my older ones, that looks like me joining them on, on Minecraft um for hours and hours of building um I mentioned my daughter who likes art so for her that is us sitting together and either um you know painting but painting sort of side by side but doing separate pictures or sometimes she comes up with a, a really sort of a big idea about what she wants to do and she'll ask me to like you know paint the background or draw some fairies and and we do like a collaborative piece um but it's a really uniquely special moment to be involved in our children's play in that way too yeah and to see the world through their eyes and just join them in it for a bit is just like you say they're the golden moments right there but I do find it difficult to so if I've got three children. So if they're all asking me to play at the same time, then that's where you're like, oh, you know, like I'm really stretched or actually I don't feel like playing right now, <laughs> you know, because we need to look after our own needs 
as well as everybody else's. But when you do join your child in that in their play, it is very magical. You know, you're building them really, really strong relationships. You're seeing the world through their eyes. And it's very special. It's 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 really important to to have that connection with our children. Yeah, I think um, the point you make about having multiple children is absolutely spot on. Anyone with multiple children will know that you can go through periods in your day where they're all doing their own thing, um, particularly as your children get older. So maybe not so much um, preschoolers because um, that's, you know, that is an intense parenting period you know stage um but as your children get older you go through times when your children are really immersed in their own thing in separate corners in the house or the room you know and then it's as if someone flips a switch and suddenly all your children need you at exactly the same time <laughs> and it's a little bit full-on and chaotic there doesn't there doesn't always seem to be an in-between <laughs> an in-between moment <laughs> uh, no um <laughs> But, you know, that's part of life for them is managing, right, okay, I'm going to go spend some time with this child now um, um, because the thing that you're doing, um, you know, like this this child needs me to get their cake out the oven, that's sort of like an imminent thing, you know. So you start to work through with, you know, as a family, negotiating, prioritising, and you have a conversation and problem solving around that. And that's all part of learning as well, learning how to live together, learning how to be together, learning how to um, incorporate each other's needs in, into what's going on, which of course, us as adults have our own needs. And like you say, we need to take care of ourselves too. So if my um, child asks me at 11 o'clock at night if I can bake a cake with them my answer is I think that's an activity we can do tomorrow um, because my natural rhythms are that at 11 o'clock at night I am not in a place physically I'm tired um, I'm not in a place physically to engage in that activity as fully as I would like to um, so we come up with alternatives, you know, but like you were saying, if someone wants you to play Minecraft um, and you're unable to do that right now because you're involved with another child or you know, you've got something else going on, you know, you find an alternative. My, my alternative with Minecraft is um, fairly often, I, I can't do that right now, but you can give me a tour of what you've done later, you know, rather than me investing in hours of play with them you know give me a tour of what you've done or like I said you know you arrange a time yeah you know, I can do that tomorrow I can do that at, you know after I've finished playing Barbies with your sister um, but those are all about living together it's part of that natural process of living and learning together problem solving negotiating discussing you know they're all important skills too but they just evolve out of our day-to-day life which is fantastic and probably as playful as as important as that play we put into imagine imaginative play or drama or engineering you know it's all part of learning and growing and developing naturally 
Absolutely, yeah. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about your um, podcast? The Play World, Love, Learn and Be Free podcast. And you can find that on Spotify and Anchor. And we're considering uploading it to YouTube as well. So you'll find that on the Play World, Love, Learn and Be Free YouTube channel. Um, and we talk about we talk about in play. We talk in depth about play um, and give parents lots of tips how to kind of encourage play in their children. And we also talk to lots of different home educating parents about their own kind of educational, um, the way that they approach their children's learning. So from radical unschoolers to world schoolers to parents who love to recreate the classroom at home and follow a curriculum and have really strict schedules and timetables. And it just kind of shows a really broad picture of home education and all of the different options that are out there. Because I think a lot of people just kind of think, oh, we have to recreate school at home and follow a curriculum and be a qualified teacher when actually none of those things are true. Um, and so, yeah, so the podcast la launches on Monday, uh, the 15th of February. And then we also have our Play Wild, Love Learning, Be Free Facebook page. There's also a Facebook group and Instagram page as well. Fabulous. I will put links to all of those things in the um, show notes for the podcast uh, so thank you for joining me today Kelly I knew it was going to be good I knew we were going to um, really be over enthusiastic about playing I really hope that everyone um, sort of catches our threw my pen around catches our passion for it um, and our and our energy for it and and looks for that magic that happens um, and can see that our children are you know they're just doing it all by themselves it's just and it's amazing to watch and 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 to and a privilege to to be part of that and enable that um way of learning to flourish in their lives so thank you thank you so much for coming and talking to me today um it's been um it's been brilliant it's been brilliant um thank you for inviting me on <laughs> no problems um, people can join me again in the next episode of Unschooling Conversations when we will be talking, or I will be talking, uh, to um, Sarah from Partnership Parenting. And we have a great conversation about ditching the rules in our families' lives. So you can all join me then.